Hi, welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein, and uh, please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, um, pretty much like most podcasts. Uh, my guest today is Sarah Howes. She is the SVP of product at Diesel Laptops. And just going to let everybody know, she is hiring. I mean, she's an SVP of product. We're all hiring. But she especially is hiring, and she's going to be talking a little bit about what she what she hires for. And uh, today, specifically, we are going to be talking about um, how to how to build a team from scratch. And I think particularly in I'm not going to call it a niche industry, but I'm going to call it an industry that requires uh, maybe some specialized knowledge and some some understanding of things. You know, we're not we're not selling underwear on the internet here. We're we're doing something more <laughs> complex and uh, for a very specific group of people. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit about about this. Like, tell us a little bit about what what your product is and and what makes it hard to hire for. Yeah. So. I mean, I think we have the benefit of being in an industry that is very quickly growing and evolving, and that's got its own set of opportunities and challenges. But in a nutshell, what Diesel Laptops is, is it's a company that sells diagnostic hardware and kits for the heavy-duty repair industry. So heavy-duty meaning class six through eight uh, trucks, so the big tractor trailers, semi-tractors that you see on the road, but also off-highway equipment, things like agricultural equipment, uh, uh, construction equipment, mining equipment, even marine stuff, all of these assets need repair. Um, and much like we saw recently in the logistics industry, this big kind of technological boom where technology was coming in to make things more efficient, more effective, uh, we're seeing the same thing in this industry now. And you can imagine all those trucks and trailers and, and cranes and stuff like that, when they need maintenance, there's money being lost. And there's also goods or services being impacted. So those things need to get back up and in service as quickly and efficiently as possible, but done well, because there's obviously very importantly, a safety concern there as well. So we do the diagnostic kit and hardware um, uh, for that genre, but we also do supporting software for that as well. And, and you're building a team, not just of, of UX designers, you're, you're, you're building the team of product managers. Tell me, tell me about the, the kind of people that you hire, because it's, it's a lot. It's broad, yes. Yeah. Um, so the way I, I organize my division essentially is it's all of product management. It's UX, design, research, UX writing or, or technical writing. Um, and, uh, I think I already said product managers. Did I say that? Uh, so it's, it's kind of the breadth. It's, it's this group of people whose job it is really to focus on the what and the why, what are we building for who, why are we building it? What's the value of it? And how do the users access that value as quickly as possible? Yeah. And, and specifically you're probably, I mean, I'm guessing you're probably trying to hire a lot of folks who maybe don't have a tremendous amount of experience with, you know, Big, big, hard, repair, giant yeah. hardware and diesel repair, <laughs> marine, marine technology. I don't know. I mean, not everybody's got our kind of background in, you know, rebuilding platforms at sea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an interesting industry. You know, I think in a lot of cases, just in the industry as a whole, people look at, you know, trucking or logistics or, you know, that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, what a weird category. I don't know anything about that. Like, keep me away. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but at the end of the day, my team I'm hiring is for 
software. It's just software like anything else. It's got the same problems, the same needs, the same goals. It's just for this very niche, uh, you know, vertical, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I hire, I'm if I can find someone who's got diesel or repair or logistics even experience, then that's great. That's a cherry on top. But really what I'm looking for are humans who have the right kind of uh, capabilities or skill sets or mentality and uh, the the craft in the sense that they know product management, they know UX, they know design or research or writing. And then I will teach them the domain because anybody who comes into this domain and anybody who's been in it for a while knows how complex it can be. You're going to have to teach them that anyway. It's just the same like any other software company. You're going to come in, you're going to see, oh, I really need to learn this product. It's not as, as straightforward as I thought. Same thing, you know? So we're really just looking for the best fit candidates in terms of the skill sets that they bring and we'll teach them the domain. I think that's really familiar. And it's interesting because I think so we can get really caught up in that. Like, I'm looking for somebody who has experience and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But even when I think about it, like I've been doing recruiting and hiring tech stuff for several years, kind of off and on. And I've done a bunch of it. But, you know, even so, you go from one company to another and suddenly you have to learn, you know, new applicant tracking systems or you have yeah. to learn new products. Like you always have to learn the product regardless of whether you know the domain. Right. Um, and if you don't know the domain, well, hey, you, you get to learn it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. what, and you talked a little bit about that sort of mix of, of skills and craft and, and mm -hmm. you know, qualities that you're looking for. Can you talk a little bit about, um, like, what are the, do you look for sort of different ones across? Because it sounds like, you know, you're hiring yeah. for product and, and UX and you, and you split out UX and design, which is interesting. And I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love for you to unpack that because not everyone does and some people do yeah. um, in writing. Are there different sort of skills and traits you're looking for across that? I mean, for me, it's, it's very specific to the role. So the thing that I like, I, I kind of have like these five pillars in my head of like how I build a team, particularly when I'm doing it from scratch. And what I like to say is like, I like to hire the human as opposed to the role or the skill set. And what I mean by that is essentially, I can say I need a designer, a, a UX oriented designer, product designer, with five years experience and and get a slew of perfectly reasonable candidates. But what I'm not asking for, what I'm not looking for if I stop there in that definition are the other capabilities, the other skills, the other kind of soft skills or qualities that I actually want in that hire. And that's what I try to focus on more than, you know, this person has this particular skill in design, or I like their portfolio. Like, of course I care about that stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm hiring a human to do a job and I need to recognize that there are other qualities to that human other than that portfolio. So I'm going to look for someone who is entrepreneurial or more thoughtful or uh, conscientious, or I'm going to look for someone who um, is a big idea person or someone who's like into the nitty gritty details, right? And for each role that I'm hiring, I may need one or two of those people because I want to build a complementary team. If I've got someone who's already like up in the clouds, visionary, um, move fast, like figure it out as you go, I might want to look for someone who's more conscientious and a little bit more slower to action because 
I need them to balance each other. And I need that diversity of thought and approach and perspective in what I'm trying to build in order to get the best thing that I can out of this team. Yeah, that's a, that's such a great point. And I think sometimes we lose that. Does that, is that, I don't know how much experience you've had at sort of very large organizations versus very small ones or, or sort of middle ground. If you have, does that change? Like if you're, if you are at a big organ, at a very big organization, because we've run into the problem sometimes where it's like, well, you know, you might move from team to team and we got to have people who can be transferable, but a hundred percent, some teams just need different craft than others. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been at Oracle, I've been at oh. Appian, I've been at like these small kind of 100 or 200 si- people size companies, right? For me, that the, the personal qualities that someone brings to the table, those are more important to me than the skill sets. You know, at the end of the day, yes, like, especially in a larger organization, you're probably going to be screened out if you don't meet the minimum described requirements in terms of years of experience or education or things like that, which I think is unfortunate in a lot of ways, but that's a story for another day. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I, to my mind, my job as the manager is to find a person who I believe can be successful in the role that I'm hiring for and to make sure that they are set up for that success. And I need to be thoughtful about what soft skills, what qualities they bring to the table, just as much as I am conscientious of what craft skills they bring to the table. And I also need to be looking out for diversity in my team, not just in terms of personality, but in terms of perspective and background. And a lot of times that does translate to kind of wildly different experience um, and education and things like that, that you might not out of the box be thinking of or looking for. And I think to your question, right, you probably have a little bit more flexibility in that when you're hiring at a smaller, less ridiculously rigorous company than when you're hiring at a more, you know, you know, fortune 500 or something that, um, you know, is, is very rigorous in their approach there. Do you, do you find that sometimes you find people that have, um, skills in sort of multiple areas and I mean, you know, you're like, Oh, this person could be a designer. They could be a writer. They could be a yeah. PM. Like, how do you, how do you figure out where they go? How do you figure out what they Good I absolutely love it when I find people like that. Like, you know, you find an admin who's got like a design degree, then they've never gotten a chance to use it, right? Like that to me is like buried treasure. I get so excited. And I purposely have conversations with the people on my team about every six months or months or so to have a discussion like this. Like, what do you want to do more of? What do you want to do less of? What are you curious about? What do you want to learn? Um, and ideally, you know, throughout the interview progress process or throughout you know, just having that person on my team, I would have ideally discovered something that they're interested in or, um, you know, curious about, but I make it a point to have the discussion too, because I want to know that. I want to know what your hidden talents are in that sense, because I want to know where I can, you know, have you grow or or evolve into. Maybe I'm going to open up uh, a new design position in six months. And if I don't know that my product manager has a design degree and is interested in like doing more of that work, I'm going to miss the opportunity to let that person grow into a role that they might be super excited and into, you know? Um, I may miss the opportunity to to allow one of my teammates to grow uh, and be like renewed in their excitement about their job in the company if I don't know that. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it's interesting because it, it sounds like growing a team isn't just about hiring. Um, it's about 
actually growing the team and moving people around and making sure people are doing what excites them and and moving folks into maybe more senior roles or lateral roles. Yeah. So this this is a question that I get a ton of. I never have a good answer for it. So hopefully you do. <laughs> um, let's say somebody, let's say you do meet that admin who has a design background or wants to do mm-hmm. more design or that PM who wants to do more design or, or the designer who wants to do more PM. Mm-hmm. Um, how, like, you know, you find that out and you're like, okay, great. Let's figure out how to do that. How do we figure out how to do that? How do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> do we do that? Um. Well, I mean, honestly, uncovering it is is one of the hardest parts. But then what I like to do is is part of that very specific conversation that I have is, okay, well, how do we get you from A to B? How do we get you from this current position to this new one? Because you're going to have the transition of, of duties to contend with. And often when you have an internal transfer, that's difficult to manage because it's, you know, they just get sucked back into like their, their original role so easily, right? But um we, we try to come up with a very specific plan so that we can account for the transfer burden so that we can say, okay, let's quantify and qualify the skill sets that you have and kind of just see where you are and what you might need to learn before I can really fully put you into that position. Um, so we try to do like a little bit of an analysis of, of skill at that point also. Um, and then a lot of companies obviously will have their internal transfer process that you have to go through. But for me, it's about the main thing that you got to figure out is, you know, kind of like I said, where is your skill set on the spectrum right now? Where do I think it needs to be to, to successfully take over this role? And let's have an honest conversation about those things. Now, if I find that you're, you know, your, your skill is a, a bit behind where I need it to be, then we can decide how much are you as the, the potential candidate here willing to invest your time and energy and, and potentially money into learning and leveling up that skill to where we need it? And how much am I, as the hiring manager, willing to kind of recalibrate my expectations for this potential open headcount position to accommodate someone who may not be where I want them to be? Uh, so it's a very open, you know, iterative, I think, dialogue in that sense to try to figure out if there is something that we can make happen there. And maybe if it doesn't happen this round because the skill sets just are so wildly off, at least I know that that person is interested. And if something comes up later, that might be a better fit. I can go back to them and I can say, look, like, you know, didn't work out last time, but now we've really got this great opportunity. Let's figure out if we can make it work this time. Yeah. That, that is one of those benefits too, to being able to to hire other folks who maybe have complementary skills too, I mm-hmm. think. You know, if you're if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this is, this is a person, they're going to move into PM, but maybe they're a little light on whatever yeah. the research aspect or the, the data aspect or whatever. Oh, but mm-hmm. it turns out that we have this engineer or this designer who is, yeah. turns out to be also good at those. You can kind of yeah. glue them together with little puzzle pieces. Especially within <laughs> your team, you know, and I, I've done that a lot and it's worked out really, really well. I had a designer uh, who evolved into a product manager and, and honestly, she's one of the best product managers I've ever worked with at this point. But if we hadn't asked, if we hadn't had that conversation, if we hadn't made room for her to transition even though it was in my team, she probably would still be just doing design and never have gotten the chance to explore that area of her career where she's really excelling now. So it worked out for everybody to kind of take the chance and and let that wiggle room, uh, you know, pan out. 
It's, it's so nice to hear that because, you know, not all of us figure out what we want to do when we're 21 and then just do it for the rest of our lives, right? <laughs> it's not, it's not, not, not an entirely linear process for, for some of us, I say, but as somebody who's had like five different jobs, um, mm-hmm. like job types. I've had many different job jobs. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the hardest part about it? Because, you know, you're, I, my guess is you're hiring a lot. You're doing this a lot. What's the hardest thing about just hiring in general for you? You know, I think I would break it into two categories, kind of depending on what phase I'm in at a company. So when you're particularly when you're building a new team from scratch, which is kind of what I'm doing here, um, it's getting the buy in from business leaders, you know, your peers or the CEO or the CFO or whoever that may be, whoever is making that final decision about, yes, will we open up this headcount or not? Because as we all know, working in design, working in even product management, Sometimes explaining the value of the work that we do is hard if they're not already attenuated to it. So it's building that bridge. It's, it's, it's getting on the same page. It's expressing and communicating effectively about the value that the role will bring to the organization to get them to open up those purse strings, right? Yeah. Um, and I very much credit, you know, Dr. Susan Weinshank uh, wrote a great book, uh, How to Get People to Do Stuff. There's a woman that I learned from, Jill Sly, who's got a great book about communication, and uh, another woman, Emily Epstein, uh, who does a lot of negotiation work uh, with, I think it's, um, oh, I'll have to, Oak Bay Consulting, I think, is, is who she, she works with. Um, but they taught me a lot about how to have those conversations and how to negotiate effectively and how to set the stage for that type of discussion. And if anybody hasn't read up on them or looked into those those women, I would highly suggest it because you'll learn a lot of really great stuff. There's that. But then there's also just finding the time to do all of this because it can be basically a full-time job. Oh, yeah. You're already doing all these roles yourself because it's just you. You know, you got to do all this evangelization and, and education. And then you got to write all the recs and do the interviewing. It's just carving out the time. But you have to do that work up front. Because it's just like a project, you know. The more planning and uh, thought you put in up front, the better it's going to work on the on the end. Yeah, well, and I, man, especially if you're also doing the work, that is just the hardest. Because then, then you also have to train the person and get them up to speed. And yeah. I always find that there's that you know three to six month period sometimes where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, no, no, I'm not just doing three jobs. Now I'm actually doing four because I'm also <laughs> training this person. Like. That's fantastic. To my my view, when I open a rec, when I when I start wanting to go and ask for headcount, I think that's the time to start thinking about how you're going to onboard and teach this person. You know, give yourself the little bit of time there to get that prepped and ready because you can't leave onboarding to be an an afterthought or a last minute thing, or else you're going to run into that. That person's not going to be able to be successful from the start because they're going to have to like fumble their way through it. You know. so to me, the onboarding is is not even just a, a matter of like, well, who, how do you log your hours or who do you go to when you want to ask for PTO? It's, or, you know, what's what's the the company Wi-Fi password, right? It's how is this person being set up for success when they join my team? Yeah. What what who are they going to learn from? Also, who isn't just me? That's one of the things yeah. that I run into at a large Absolutely. organization where it's just sort that, of like, yeah. yeah the, I'm always like, okay, here's the deal. Your first two weeks, you're just going to have meetings. <laughs> There are a lot of people to meet and they're all going to tell you stuff. And what's going to happen is I'm going to give you like a list of 10 people and they're Mm -hmm. each going to give, you know, and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends. (laughs) And like, 
you know, we'll talk again in like three weeks and then you will Uh just know things. You will know more things and then you will continue to learn things. But this is just about you learning from lots of people, one of whom is me. Yeah. But maybe not all of whom. It's like the double diamond in UX, you know, like you're opening up that that first diamond and like just getting a, you know, drinking from a fire hydrant, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then you can start to like narrow in on a particular area, but you gotta, you gotta manage that though. Or I think it just goes on forever. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes it's easier to do that with certain kinds of people with certain kinds of experience, either like more, like one, one of the things that I have found, and this is completely biased toward my personal experience. I have found sometimes that folks who have some like contracting or freelance experience, maybe not a hundred percent, but who have some of that, um, are very used to coming in and like mm-hmm. kicking things off themselves and getting, you know, sort of oriented and, and gathering things as opposed to folks who are maybe have had more of a regimented, you know, yeah. onboarding process where they were trained and taught things. I think that's an interesting point about the contractors I, I and, and consultants. I think you're hundred percent right. Like their job depends on them being able to land and run, you know? Um, whereas somebody particularly, someone who's a little bit more conscientious, a little bit more um, reserved is probably going to struggle a little bit more just with that onslaught of change and information. Um, But I think that that also kind of comes back to the point that I made earlier about hiring a human. Hopefully you would have done some work to understand kind of where that person falls into those buckets. And I kind of just loosely reference like the DISC personality assessment, right? Are they a high C or a high S? They're probably going to need a little bit different onboarding experience than someone with like a high D or a high I even. Yeah. How how do you um how how would you go about you know in the sort of limited amount of time we actually have to talk to people, especially <laughs> especially now when you know they're they're all juggling seventeen different offers because <laughs> everything's on yeah. fire. Yeah, because because of <laughs> I, I'm just, you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm just waving my hands. Yeah. Just general gesturing, <laughs> Just yeah. The world, yeah, exactly. How how do you go about assessing whether somebody is going to be the kind of person who can come in and hit the ground running? Because that can be so hard to figure out. Yeah, and you, you know, you got to kind of take the good enough approach with that, I think, a lot of the times. And just the same way as sometimes you just got to ship a product, even though you know it's not perfect, you got to do the, the same thing with hiring. I mean, it really is its own project in in many ways. And I think this is another version of that. But what I try to do is when I do an interview, I try to just get to know the person, just have a conversation. I'm not going to be sitting there with a rubric asking you, you know, this set of questions that everybody gets asked. That's for recruiting, you know, that's for um, a different part of the process. And what I want to do is try to get to know this person a little bit, have more of an organic conversation. And I try to suss out kind of who this person is a little bit. I ask them what they're interested in, what their hobbies are, what they like, what they don't like about their current job. And sometimes that will kind of shine a light to me on where they fall on that spectrum, at least enough that Mm -hmm. I get a decent sense of things. But I try to use the context of the position and like certain challenges that it may include or um, opportunities it may offer and just ask them what they think about that because hopefully they'll volunteer enough information to me that I'll, I'll be able to, you know, kind of suss it out or maybe they won't. And I'll know that, okay, this is a reserved person. Maybe they're not the best person to be off presenting things all the time, right? Like, you know, there's a little bit of that 
that discovery, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's why I try to use the interview process to figure that out as opposed to, well, do I like their portfolio? How did they answer (laughs) this question about this use case? Like, I just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt that they can do that. Yeah, uh, if they've made it that far in the process. Yeah, that that is true. Like, I like definitely the portfolio review. I find incredibly important for understanding how they think about things and what they've actually mm-hmm. done and what their craft levels are. But at a certain point, I, I think you're 100 percent right. You just got to get them telling stories about things that they've done or things that they think about or things that they know, and kind of assess whether or not that's a thing that they're gonna bring in. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any great stories? My, <laughs> My understanding is that you may have an interesting story about one of these times that didn't, didn't go perfectly. Yeah. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's an it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Um, I'm not going to do it justice because I don't remember all the details exactly because it was like a year or two ago. I was trying to hire for this open role, and this person that I I got on like a screening call with was probably the most arrogant person I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, and you've and- met me, so that's. That's saying something, something, right? No. (laughs) Um, So I get on the call with this person and I was asking normal questions like, you know, what made you interested in this company? You know, why are you looking for a a change? Um, You know, just to get to know you kind of things because it was just the screening stage. And this person just responded to every question I asked them with a question to me. So when I asked you know, and this person knew that I was the hiring manager. They knew that like I would be their boss when they came in here. And uh, they they would just say, if I asked, you know, why are you interested in, in this company? And the, the person was just like, well, why are you interested in me? And and it was just like this whole experience of of this person telling me how amazing they were and you know, just being really snarky about it and very much implying that I had no idea what I was doing and that if I didn't hire them, then I was just dumb and really missing out on I mean, like, I the mean, greatest you, hire of, of all time. I mean, do, do you feel some regret now that you missed I, out? You know, a little bit. There's a twinge in here. <laughs> twinge. Where, oh man, this person, they were so right. They just would have been so amazing. Can you yeah. imagine working <laughs> with that person? I mean, that's really, <laughs> the, the funniest thing is that like, I often tell candidates, um, you know, you are also interviewing me right? because I need to know that you can stand me. Um, and also <laughs> that like, but like, I want you to feel comfortable that this is the right role, but there's a balance. Like we're interviewing sure, yeah. each other. It's not all about just, you know, I mean, I, I think my skills are pretty good. And, you know, mm-hmm. even given that, that, it's not all about you having to recruit me. I have to explain yeah. why you might want to do that. Right. <laughs> no, this is on a completely different level. I am yeah. all for, like, candidates asking hard questions or very pointed questions. Please do. But I, I'm not buying, you know, a used car and... You know, I, I don't know. It was just the weirdest experience I think I've ever had in any type of, you know, interviewing or recruiting atmosphere. You, it was just insane. Yeah. I don't want to diagnose. I don't want to be like, oh, do you think they were insecure? Or do you think they just really felt that way? Or like, I, or they, I, it's I don't, hard to it's say. Hard to I mean, there, you have to imagine there's an element of insecurity in there for someone to behave that way to begin with, but also, was that person just really that arrogant? Did they really just think that they were that good? Because I looked at their portfolio. I, Laura, they were not 
that good. They were okay. They were fine. Yeah. They like were if, fine. They, if they'd come in and been sort of like humble and been like, you know, I have a lot to learn and I'm ready to take on a junior role and work really hard and, and some acknowledgement. I mean, have, have some well-earned confidence, please. Yeah. You know, like come in and tell me like, I got this, you know, we're, we're yeah. going to figure it out. Not worried about it. I've done this, this, and this let's go. Right. That's what I want to see. That is fine. That is a, a flavor of confidence that I am happy to, to have. <laughs> what I don't want is for the hard sell yeah with the hard sell with like the kind of sleazy arrogant approach to it and just assume that i'm an idiot first of all um which i mean believe me i am i am fallible i know that i do not think that i know everything that's why i want an expert in these you know areas to come onto my team to to show me the greatness that they can do but this was just absurd. It, it yeah. was it was like a whole different level. I can't even explain it properly because it was just unreal. I think that's a great cautionary tale uh, for, yeah. for people who are maybe for some candidates. Um, just yeah. to throw that out there. And I think that that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Sarah. This was fantastic. I appreciate you coming on so much. Um, thank you so much. Um, that is all the time that we have for today. And uh I just want to thank everybody also for listening and I want to wish everybody the best of luck with your own search, um, whether it's for a new job or a new employee, um, we're rooting for you. Thank you.